0: Good morning, everyone. Welcome along to today. It's another beautiful day, another winter's day in paradise, and uh, so it's lovely to watch the um, video of the youth camp and to see um, not just the fun, but I. We're tonight um, for those a bit of advanced. We're having our night service tonight with. uh, We're going to hear from our young people and, and uh, hear what God's done in their life and the things that uh, was exciting. So it's lovely to have you guys here this morning. It's also wonderful to have a bunch of you back from travelling all around the world. There's been so many people in our church family over the last few weeks who have been overseas. I think about seven families um, ultimately were overseas at some point. Welcome. I think everyone is back um, today. Or, or this week and so it's been wonderful to have you home and for those who are part of our school system, school goes back tomorrow. <laughs> uh, I thought the parents might have been a bit more vocal but that's okay and uh, so we're excited about that. We're in a new series, we started last week and uh, we it, the the series is called Munificent and um, I It's just one of those words I've become, I'm loving more and more as I say it. And did anyone use it in conversation this week? No, it wasn't one of those words that came up for you, munificent in some way. Um, If you haven't, weren't here last week and haven't listened online, you might not know what it means. Um, Sucks to be you. Um, No, no, I wouldn't. That's, should I say that? Probably not. Um, But that's okay. It's... um, Munificent, last week we started this series called Munificent. The word simply means extraordinarily generous. So we can be very munificent in lots and lots of things. The most extravagantly generous of all is our Heavenly Father who has given us more than we need and uh, we we can celebrate that. God's generosity is evidenced all around us. And God created this planet, especially for us. He gave us authority and dominion over the things of this earth. He, he did everything on in preparation for us to be able to be sustained in this world and provide for us in not just our needs, but our pleasures as well. We are to enjoy the things that God has given us and he has given us in his munificent Grace, excuse me, he supplies us with things like colour. Imagine if everything was just one colour. The beauty of, of the things that we see with our eyes and for those of you and there's some in our church and probably some online who are watching who may be colour blind but even in that there is a colour or a sense of colour. There is a sense of light and sound and air. Imagine if those things weren't part of of what God has given us. Even for those who do not agree or acknowledge him, he has provided those things for us out of his generosity. And the things, the ability to taste food and those sorts of things. Imagine if everything tasted the same. Imagine if everything just tasted like sushi. I can't. Ooh. <clears throat> Chocolate, on the other hand, that would be all right, but I'm not a sushi fan. But imagine if everything just tasted the same. But God has given us this ability to taste and enjoy food. He's given us warmth and he's given us coolness. He's given us seasons. Every moment of the of the year is different and we can celebrate. He's given us the rain in season. He's given us the ability to hear and and listen to conversations and talk. Imagine if we were mute and deaf all the time, everyone, and we were getting around doing just one thing, but in his generosity, he's given us the ability to do that. He is so generous. He's given us the ability and in his generosity to the the ability to have touch or appreciate touch. You wouldn't miss, you'd miss something if you weren't getting those hugs from your children and your spouse and and those sorts of things that we're enjoying because we can enjoy the physical touch of another human being. He's given us everything that we might be more than satisfied but we would be able to enjoy. He is so Munificent. And above all, God has demonstrated his generosity when he gave us his only son. He offered his son as a sacrifice for us, as dem- not just because he wanted to in one sense, because he needed to, but he wanted to. Let me put it that way. Because Jesus came as an atonement for our sin in the face of such generosity, We can only say thank you, thanks be to our God who has given us this indescribable gift. He is so wonderful, so good, so powerful, so understanding. The gift of Jesus to us, mankind, is one of the greatest ultimate gifts of generosity because ultimately he could have just destroyed us right at the beginning. But you know what the Scriptures tell us? It tells us that before the creation of the world, he knew us. Before the creation of the world, he knew what was going to happen. He wasn't caught out by Adam and Eve's sin in the garden. He wasn't caught out by the things that are happening in our world today. Before the creation of the world, he knew us. And he, in his generosity, went forward with it anyway. How wonderful is he? And as his children and as his followers, those who have given their heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, we are told that we are created in his image. We we ought to be demonstrating and displaying that same image Characteristically, that characteristic of generosity to everything that we do as well, because we are created in his image. We are created to be generous. The attributes of our Father, our lives ought to be an example of extraordinary, extravagant generosity, because we have been given everything and more that we need, as we read it last week. Luke 6 tells us that give. And you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running out all over, poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Give. And while we might often take that scripture to, to talk about or recognize our finances, it's not just about our finances, it's all things that we are to be generous with. He has given us everything. Last week, we spoke about the the idea that God has been so generous in giving us time. He's given us this moment in history to be here. He's given us that. I left you last week, actually, with, with a challenge Now, I'm not going to ask you to put your hand up or to acknowledge whether you did this or not because I'm pretty sure no one did. So I won't embarrass you. But I left you with a challenge to do a time inventory this week and just see what you are allocating your time to. Now, I've got to be honest. I didn't do it this week. I've done it a couple of weeks ago, but I didn't do it this week. And what I discovered, and what I think most of us would discover if we were really honest about our time inventory, is that we spend a lot of time doing things that we could be doing better things. There's a lot of our time that is not uh, used wisely. And I think most of us would find that. The challenge for us at even discovering that is do I do anything about that, or I just think, you know what, that's what everyone's doing, it doesn't matter. Or do I look back and I think, you know what? God has been so generous with me. How can I not be generous in giving back my time to him? Now, we talked about time last week. And today, though, we're, we're looking at a different area. Today, we're looking at how we can be munificent in using our, our gifts, our spiritual gifts. And if you're a Christian, if you've given your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, you have at least one spiritual gift. No question. The Bible is very clear. He's, it's, it's so black and white in Scripture that if you have given your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, you have a spiritual gift, at least one. And it tells us that God is the one who gives them to us as he determines. We'll talk about that in just a moment. But Paul outlines a number of gifts, a number of them in Romans chapter 12. And the fact that God has given us these gifts or at least one of these gifts and maybe other things that are not mentioned in Romans 12, there's another whole passage in in Corinthians and and other places scattered throughout scriptures. But we, we can understand that if God has given us, then we need to be diligent in being generous in how we use them. As we have received, we shall give. And so we turn to Romans 12 and verse 6 or the beginning of verse 6 says, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let's use them. Let's use them. Since we've been given them, let's use them according to the grace that has been given to us. We are to use the gifts entrusted to us. We can't hold on to them because that would be selfish. We can't not use them because that would not be acknowledging what God has given to us. And and how much grace have you and I been extended? An amazing amount of grace. How sweet the sound of grace that we've been poured out over or has been poured out over us. God has given us Everything that we need, an extravagant amount of grace, a munificent grace. More than we deserved, much more than we deserved. And according to the grace that has been given to us, we're to give. And as we just read, the amount we give will come back, will be given to us, will determine the amount that we'll get back. So what are the gifts that we've been given? Well, he's given us all kinds of gifts. God has has entrusted to us so many different kinds of gifts. And what Paul is referring to is the spiritual gifts. And how do we get these spiritual gifts? I've already said to you, God gives them to us. He is the one who determines what you have, not me, not you, he gives them to every single believer when we accept Him, as, Jesus as our Lord and Saviour. And if you've given your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, as I said before, you have at least one spiritual gift. And the Scriptures tell us that the one and the same Spirit works all of these things, distributing them individually as He wills. He's talking about spiritual gifts. He distributes them as he wills. And while we can ask God for them, we Paul actually tells us that we should ask God for them and desire certain gifts above other certain gifts. But he, it is still God who determines what we get according to his will. Now, what is his will? His will for you and his will for what he wants you to do. And your gift is going to be, different perhaps to other people, but it will work in conjunction with other people. He brings the body together, each one with a different function, different part, a different little, slightly different sometimes, but part of what God wants for the body of Christ. And we're to be generous because if we don't hold on to them, we're not going to be able to to receive what we have been already going to be, God has entrusted to us. Holding on to them really isn't even an option for us because they've been given for one purpose and that is to give. So Paul says in Romans chapter 12 and he goes on from verse 9, he says, if prophecy... Let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. This extraordinarily generous pouring out. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in ministering. he who teaches in teaching. Did I just repeat all that in exhortation? He who gives with liberality. We need to recognize these things. Jesus was teaching his disciples to trust in him. He was teaching his disciples that if he, they have received, just give it back. They'll have more to give because he wants to give more. He gave them a task to fulfill the disciples in preparation for the trip that he was going to send them on. And he commended them to preach and heal the sick and raise the dead, cast out demons. Jesus was talking with his disciples, he says, just go. Don't need to take anything. Just go and do these things. And look what he says, heal the sick cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons and freely you have received so, freely give. That's what he's given us those things for. The very things that Paul talks about in Romans 12 is the things that Jesus had already spoken about. Culture tells us that we only give to those who deserve it. If they upset us, well, I'm not giving any more. If I don't like you, well, I'm not going to give as much. If you hurt me, well, you're not getting nothing. Culture tells us to do that. To those who have earned the right, who have proven themselves worthy of a gift, they're okay to give to. They're worthy. But that's not the heart of Jesus. That's not his heart at all. He's never told us only give to those who give back. In fact, it's quite the opposite of what Jesus has taught. He's told us that we should be generous even with those, even our enemies we should be prepared to be generous with. Why did he tell us that we should be generous with them? Because they might see what you're doing and give glory to our heavenly father. It's not about us. So rather than looking at how we can be munificent in using our gifts today, I want to to actually look at what prevents us from being so generous because I think that's the bigger issue. What's preventing us from being munificent in using our gifts? Paul goes on to tell us, he says, let love be without hypocrisy. He tells us, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honour, giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continually, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints given to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless those and do not curse, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who don't weep who weep, sorry, be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion, repay no one evil for evil, have regard for good things in the sight of all men, and if it is possible, as much as it depends upon you, live peacefully with all men. As much as it's possible for us, we live at peace. What would prevent us from being munificent with our spiritual gifts? Well, Paul touches on it in verses 4 and 5, which we read before. Selfishness is the first thing, and it's kind of, I've already alluded to it, but he begins, For as many have members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. We have to work with one another. It's, it's working in conjunction with each other. It's not mine to keep. It's not mine to use for me. It's, it's given so that I might be a blessing. And we need to realize those sorts of things, that the things that God has given us are given for a blessing. And he goes on, Paul tells us in Romans twelve three that we are not to think of ourselves or himself, he says, more highly than he ought or we ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. We're not to think selfishly. We're here for one another. We're here to be a blessing. We're to encourage one another and the gifts given to us are given so that we might edify the body of Christ. We might lift up the body of Christ so the body of Christ might be the most benefited across the whole world and it would be the most generous of all the organisations of anything across this planet. The church should be the most generous. It should be, in one sense, the most wealthy because we have everything that we need and God gives us everything that we need. Let's pour it out upon our community. So if the church failed to be or ceased to be in our community, the community would cry out for us to come back. But we're not. And we need to work out why we're not. Why is it that we're not like that? The problem is that rather than being generous with the gifts we've been entrusted with, we often assume that the gifts that we've been given are for us are for me, are to use how I want to be using them. And if we're not aware of who we are in Christ, we're his children, by the way, if we're not aware Of our stand before Him. It's not a large step to begin to use those gifts that He has given us to advance our own careers, to advance our own standing in the community. We see that, how that has happened in so many people across our society. Particularly in the music industry. How many of those people who who have great hit songs begin in singing in church? Because God has given them a gift. But the gift was seen as theirs to use. And, and we've got to be careful we don't do that. The ability to, to play an instrument or be hospitable or whatever it is, the gift that God has given you has given to edify the body of Christ, to to be generous with. It's not to build up our own self-esteem. It's not to build up our own self-worth. We need to recognise that these gifts are not given so that we have this sense of fulfilment when we use them. They're not given to draw attention to ourselves. They're given for a blessing and for the supporting of the body of Christ, the church. And you're good at what you are good at because the church needs it. You have what you have because the body of Christ needs it. In some way, some shape, some form, because the church needs you. It needs me. It needs us. So let's not be selfish with what we have. It's not to build up ourselves. The second one which is closely related to that is this issue of pride. Paul cautions us not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought. And what he was meaning is that we need to be careful that that we don't think that we have our gifts to use because we're better than everyone else. We, We have this gift in particular area and you know what? I'm better than they are. That's pride. We don't do what we do to lift ourselves up. It's not to glorify ourselves. And we mentioned that earlier. What we don't have our gifts because we deserve them or, or that we're better than anybody else. We have them because God has given them to us. He has determined in advance what he wants us to have to be of benefit to the body of Christ. And he's brought us together for that purpose. But what happens at times is that this spirit of pride steps in. It rises up within each of us if we're not careful. The spirit of pride inflates our heads and we think, you know what? I'm pretty good at that. I'm better than they are. Or alternatively, I'm not good enough. It's it's kind of a reverse pride, but it's there. If God has given it to you, it is good enough. It will get better as we use it because that's what it's intended to do. And the more that you give, the more that you'll get. The more that you give out, the better it will become. The more importance God will receive. Our gifts were given for the purpose of building up the body of Christ. And if we're unwilling to bow our knee to serving him in using them and thank him for the gifts that he has entrusted to us and using them for his glory, our gifts are never going to reach their full potential. They're never going to be what they were intended We're going to miss out in some way, shape or form. We may have some success. Don't hear me wrong. We might be able to do some things. But the fullness of what God has intended for us will never be realised until we use them on our knees, humbly before him, submitting to him, submitting to his will, his purpose. His desires. And what Paul does in Romans 12 is remind us of the weapon that we have that can fight this area of pride. In fact, it fights every spiritual battle. The most important weapon that we have to fight any of the spiritual warfare that you and I are going to enter into and are in the middle of, rather than thinking we're good enough and deserving all that we have, We need to think humbly and we need to come soberly and remember the grace that God has given us. And our our pride comes from the fact that we've not remembered where we've come from. And what Jesus tells us that the most important weapon that we have to fight against that is the name of Jesus Christ. We pray in his name because we can't do it in our own ways or in our own name. The value is something that's come very very close to heart in in, in my recent months, but the value of what we have is relative to the cost paid. And if we have been handed our faith on a platter, from our parents or grandparents or, or some form of other person. And we've not actually paid a cost in that process. We will not value our faith. We, a cost has to be paid for the faith that we have. And if we call ourselves Christians, and don't want to pay a cost for that, we won't value it. We won't hold it in its highest esteem that it needs to be held. We'll do what we want. We'll do what we feel comfortable with. We'll do what we think we should. But if we've not paid any cost for it, we'll just let it go. When the time gets too hard, well, I'll give up. But if we've paid a cost for that, we've invested in our faith, if we've invested in dealing with the spiritual battle, particularly of pride, but I think because I think that's the, the single most thing that covers most things, then if we understand the cost that Jesus paid and we're prepared to pay a cost for the faith that we have, we'll value that. The value of something is dependent upon the cost paid. And that goes very clearly in every single areas of our faith. The primary weapon against this area of pride is prayer in Jesus' name. Paul warns us in 1 Corinthians, he says, Who makes you differ from one another? And what do you have that you did not already receive? Now, if you did intend, indeed receive it, why do you boast as if you didn't receive it? What he's saying is why did you boast as if you think it's yours? Why, did you, why do you boast if, if you think you deserve it? But God has given it to you. God has given us that in his munificent grace. So selfishness and pride really go together in preventing us from being generous in the gifts that we've been entrusted with. Thirdly, worldliness. Worldliness. A third area is worldliness. Now, it's so subtle and it comes into our life with such stealth that it sneaks into us as our Christian life almost unnoticed until it's well and truly entrenched in our lifestyle. It's this area of worldliness. Another word for worldliness is busyness. Not busyness in a good sense, but busyness in the things that are not that really important. And if you are finding, we talked about this briefly, all of last week, but quickly, if you are finding yourself with not enough time to do stuff, you need to look at what you're doing that's not important because God has given you the time to do what's important. If you're feeling tired and worn out and wearied, then make sure that you don't give up the most important stuff that's what the time inventory was all about. But we we waste or we misuse our gifts because we, we prioritise things wrongly. We, we prioritise things the way that the world prioritises them. We, we lift ourselves up. We talked about pride. We hold on to them. We've talked about selfishness. That's what the world does. And when we get caught up in the this, this subtlety of, of worldliness and busyness, suddenly we think, you know what, I'm, I'm just too busy. Stop asking me to do stuff. Stop getting me into things that I really can't afford the time to do. I can't afford to be part of that anymore because I'm too busy. Worldliness. We do things and prioritise the things the way the world does rather than seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, which is what Jesus says in Matthew 6.33. Put those things first. Seek first the kingdom of God and live righteously or his righteousness and he'll give us the things that he needs. And if you read the verses prior to that, he's talking about the birds of the air having everything, the plants of the field having everything, all the beauty and care today, gone tomorrow, how much more do you think your heavenly Father will look after you? He's been so generous. And if we seek first the kingdom of God, we put the kingdom of God's stuff in their rightful place. We prioritise his work. He will give us the things that we need, the time to do the other things that come. But we don't. We prioritize in a worldly way. And worldliness is sneaky. And we become entrapped in it, into the whole culture of worldliness, wanting to fit in with the rest of the crowd, wanting to do what others are doing. The problem is that the crowd is following a world culture that's walking away from the cross. The world is following a culture that is taking us away from the throne of grace. That's why Paul warns as the things that we should be doing. He says, Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you might prove what is good and what is acceptable and what is perfect will of God so that others might see the glory of God who is above in all, through all and in all things. And while we are conformed to the world's way of thinking, while we stay in this world's way of thinking, we can never know what the Lord's will for us is. That's what Paul's just said. Transform our thinking so that we'll know what God wants us to do. If we're not going to do that, how are we ever going to know what we should prioritise and what we shouldn't prioritise? Worldliness comes in All forms, it happens when we give our best to our job and have nothing left over for the body of Christ. We spend extra hours, we take on extra shifts, we work extra long days, we take things and suddenly you think, you know what, I'm too tired. I'll just give up. It happens when we get more excited about our hobbies than we do about what heaven's about. We find our rest in social media and games rather more than we do finding our rest in the word of God and doing what he wants us to do. We stay up late to watch a movie or a party or go to a party or play a game and then we we struggle to get up in the morning and come to worship. It's this whole idea of worldliness. When our hearts are in the wrong place, we can never be generous with our gifts because we don't have the energy to do it because the world's job or the world's role is to consume our energy so we're too busy doing what we we shouldn't be doing so that we're unable to do what we should. We can never be generous with our gifts because we'll be never able to find the time, we'll never have the energy to do what we're gifted for. And in order to be munificent with our gifts, we need to turn away. We need to reject worldliness and use our gifts where God leads us through the Holy Spirit's guidance, through prayer and the fellowship of other believers communion of saints we need to gather together we need to not just corporately on a Sunday as we do in our culture but in groups and sharing with one another it's important we do that so selfishness pride worldliness all contribute to preventing us from being generous in the use of our gifts that we've been entrusted with and I think the last one that I want to share today there's others by the way. Pacivity being passive of thought, passive in our attitude. It's not, it's about, it it means to be not bothered or not having enough motivation. Ah, can't be bothered about that. It's all right. It'll happen next week. Someone else will do it. Passivity. It usually happens when we're, too preoccupied in, in other things or, or potentially, can I use the word lazy? Sometimes it's laziness. Sometimes, you know, we, even, we don't even want to try because it, that sounds like work. I don't want to do that. It kills generosity like a poison. How can we be generous if we're so passive of kind of thinking that we don't even want to do anything that's contributing towards our own existence. Even if we have giftedness, it shrivels up because of passivity. It shows up when we, we know we should be doing something, but we put it off or we assume other people will do it. It's okay. Someone else will do it. It shows up when we know there's a need but it's easier to stay quiet. I'm too tired, I'm too busy. They're the things that we've just talked about. And Paul says to the church, young, old, male, female, new believers, older saints, healthy, hurting people, outgoing and shy people, musical and, well, not musical You have abilities, you have gifts, so use them. Find some way, any way to use whatever you have and do it well to care for other people so that they might be benefited, they might receive a blessing from all of that so that God, he really doesn't expect everyone to do everything. That's not what we're here to do. We're not here to do everything. He just means that we are to do well what we've been entrusted with and be prepared to do those things that maybe we don't feel so gifted with. Paul reminds us again, in uh, Peter reminds us, sorry, in First Peter, as each one has received a gift, minister it to, it to one another as good stewards. What's Peter saying there? This, this idea of giftedness, we're to be a steward of that. It's, it's God's gift to us. We are to steward it well. Look after it. Invest it. We are to be generous with it. Of the, to, of, we are to be good stewards as the manifold grace of God. Don't let passivity be what keeps us from the blessing that God really wants to pour out on you individually and us as the body. So selfishness, pride, worldliness, passivity, all contribute towards preventing us from being munificent with our spiritual gifts, whatever we've been given. And if you don't know what gift God has given you, I'm, I want to be a little bit blunt. It's high time you realized or found out because ignorance is no excuse. Ignorance is not an excuse when it comes to the kingdom of God. It's time we sort it with with the, you know when when Jesus talks about in the parables he, about the kingdom of God is like a man who finds a buried treasure in the field and and he goes and, and sells everything he has so he can buy the field because it's the most valuable thing that he has and he goes and does that. That's what we should be doing. It should be the most exciting, valuable thing that you would put everything into. Ignorance is not an excuse. When we're led by the Holy Spirit, when we're being attentive to what God wants us to do. It's the the opposite of what the world is wanting us to do generally. When we realise what God wants us to do, it comes very clearly on the, the battle that we find ourselves, the challenge in our thinking. How do I maintain godliness in a world of ungodliness? How do I take the step of faith when everything's pushing against it? It's, it comes down to a decision. Do I follow the way of the scriptures, to follow the way of God, or do I continue in this way of the culture of our world? That's the decision that every single one of us has to make. If you've ever Seriously, receive Jesus into your life, then you we have a responsibility. All of us have a responsibility. We do it sometimes better at times than others, but we should be doing it well. There should be generosity instead of selfishness, there should be generosity instead of pride, there should be humility instead of worldliness, there should be godliness instead of passivity, there should be enthusiasm and eagerness to do what God wants us to do and where he go, where he wants us to go. And besides, why, after receiving all of this stuff, this gift that God has entrusted to us in in abundance, why would we not want to be generous? Why would we want to hold on to things? Remember what we read before in Matthew 10, Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons freely you've received, so freely give. It's not ours to hang on to. He's generous because we're his. God is generous for us and over us and to us because we belong to him. None of us are deserving of anything. Certainly not the free gift of salvation or anything that goes along with that. None of us deserve that. And yet in his abundance, we're offered and given everything that we need. Even though we've all sinned, we've all valued something or someone more than we valued God and his kingdom. We've all disobeyed his word at some point, choosing our own selfish desires instead of the things that we should be choosing. Our sinful nature seems to automatically rise to the top every single moment, well, perhaps hopefully not every single moment, but at those critical times in our life, disqualifying us as worthy deserving recipients of grace, but God has poured out His grace and we can come before Him, our Heavenly Father. We are forgiven in Jesus' name. We have grace poured out upon us. We come, 1 John tells us, that if we confess He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all of the unrighteousness, And God doesn't give us these gifts because of who we are or what we've done. He's generous because we're his. He's given us because he wants us. He created us and knows what's best for us. He knows the way that we think. He knows the the background, your history. He knows the upbringing you've had. He knows everything about you. And he still gives you the gifts to use, knowing that if you use them, it will be the best thing that will possibly happen to you. Even when we're rebellious, he welcomes us home. Even when we turn our back on him, he he reaches out his hand. His hand is not too short. Even when we're selfish, he's merciful. And when we follow God's example of generosity, there's no excuse to withhold. There's no excuse to hang on to these things because, as freely as we've received, we should freely give. And if the Lord has prompted you to be generous with your gifts, which I hope He has, that He's he's entrusted to you, don't hesitate. You have no idea how he will use that. You have no idea at all how much that one moment of use may impact another for the kingdom. No idea. Imagine yourself in a similar position to the ones that, that you see other people in our world in. Imagine yourself in that position and do what you would like the church to do for you. Do what you think it would be the right thing to do. So this week you can do your time inventory if you haven't done it but this week, as you think about how God has gifted you, ask him to show where you can be so munificent in using them to see his kingdom come and his will done for his glory. Our gifts are not given to us to make ourselves look better, feel better, sound better. They're given for the glory of God so he gets the honor he gets the glory his power becomes evident so when people see you being extravagantly generous with what you've been trusted they glorify the father in heaven that's what we're here for they're given to be used for his glory his power and his praise Let me pray. Father, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your love. I thank you for your care, your attention to detail. And, Lord, I I know there is just so much more that we could even talk about in this area of generosity, but today I pray that you would begin to instill in us a, a generous spirit, me particularly, Father, that I wouldn't be... Prideful, or, or hang on to things in selfish manner. Father, we, that I wouldn't be consumed and we wouldn't be consumed with the, the process of worldly culture, busyness. Father, we won't be lazy and passive in our thinking that we would be really just wanting to honour you and give you the glory because of your amazing grace. Freely we've received it. So, Father, help us to be willingly, freely giving it, to be conscious of the things that you have given us, to not be ashamed of the gospel nor afraid of the the repercussions of standing up for your name, but to stand boldly with the sword of the Spirit, your word in our right hand, the shield of faith, Fit it out, Father, with, with all of the things that you've told us to have, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the shoes of readiness, and prayer. That, Father, we would go on the offensive in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We stand, as David said to Goliath, Father, we come in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we can stand boldly and nothing is going to hinder the work that you want. So, Father, help us to be bold and courageous this week, to know whom we are serving, to go forth with confidence, power and authority in Jesus' name. Amen.